All right, this is the next episode, 10 questions, and uh, oh boy, is this one a long time coming. I've, <laughs> I, we, we, talking to Cypher here, we, we, we've, uh, we, we've uh, pushed back our schedule two or three different times already, but uh, now we finally made it a line. Yes, doing, we did man? it. I'm doing great. It's awesome to finally get to talk to you, and I've been a fan of your show for a while, and yeah, I'm really super excited to be here. This is so much fun. Oh, sounds sounds awesome! I, it, it's it's always surreal whenever somebody says, "Hey, I'm I'm a fan of your show." It's like, right, really? Oh, yeah, he's talking about something I did. <laughs> I, you know, not not one of those things that uh, that uh, I don't know if I'd ever get used to or not. But uh, but thank you though. Yeah. Oh, for sure, you deserve it, and I I feel the same way you do. Like uh, with like media and interviews, it's like still. I mean, I'm almost 40, so I should be used to it by now, but it's still weird to think that people actually care what I think or say. Like, it blows my mind. It's so, it's so, so weird. Well, the, the, I, I tell everybody the biggest part that I like about doing this is that I'm, I'm getting to talk to so many different people. And uh, while I'm not much of a media maven on my own, mm-hmm. um, man, I, I just I enjoy talking to other people. That's it. You know, I, 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 I'm one of those that I, I like a good story and, uh, whether I'm watching TV, watching a movie, uh, reading a book, God forbid, or if I'm talking to people <laughs> and I'm learning about their stories, man, that's, that's, what's fun. Yeah. It's fascinating. So, I feel the same way. Um, so, uh, you know, w- without further ado, let's, let, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, uh, obviously, since you're a fan, you know the you know the general rules and layout of what we're doing. So, idea. Uh, official question number one. Um, so, uh, so you know, lo- looking at all uh, information that's available about you online, you know, it's you know, it's obviously uh, you know you're uh, you're a, a social engineering person, and you even teach that. But um, but but uh, what? Uh, Sorry. It's okay. No worries. Slight, s- s- slight interruption. I have the same thought that you have. I, you know, it's like, how do you go? F- how do you become this guy that is uh, known for social engineering? Like, uh, maybe that's what you're you're thinking. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, it's, well, it's my, my my thought process behind it is kind of. It's kind of the same way with uh, like football coaches. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, most football coaches out there, they played football, then they learned about football, and then they coached football, right? Okay, yeah. but but you, you've got you've got your your just a few of them out there, like like Mike Leach, for instance, mm-hmm. who never was involved in the game until he started coaching it. So mm-hmm. it kind of in the same vein, you know. Whenever you look at, uh, whenever you look at information security, um, right. you know, so, social engineering um, is, you know, just just looking at it from the outside, it's one of those things that it's uh, it, it's mainly a non-tech application in a tech world. Definitely. Was that the direction you started, or were you, were you one of the people that was into tech first? And uh, if, if, so, if so, what was it that got you into it? 
Yeah, you know, um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I have other friends in the social engineering world, and <clears throat> I've noticed listening to interviews uh, by them and, uh, and on other podcasts also that a lot of us have a similar experiences that we go through. Uh, many of us come from maybe like a lower income uh, household, and, you know, we kind of learn about social engineering, or we learn about even just like how to hack your life to have a better experience. And, you know, I did start off in tech before I did anything that led me towards the social engineering world. I went to tech school in 2000, uh, got my degree in computer networking. I worked for Earthlink back in the day, if you even remember that company. Earthlink, I do. I love tech support right here. So, like, uh, before that, though, I had done two years of telemarketing before I had even gone to school. Um, I went to, I, I've done years of working for MSPs and doing a lot of phone work. So, like, the, the idea of like doing a vision call or, you know, I have like firsthand experience with the fact that users don't ever really authenticate me. Like, I worked for a, a managed services provider and we had over 200 clients. And I think I had one client that ever said, hey, I'm going to call you back just to make sure you are who you say you are. And it kind of blew my mind that these things that you learn about in the social engineering world, like they're so powerful. And I think that they do get a reputation for being non-technical. But I, I think that's like, I mean, maybe that's true, but when you look at the data and 90% of hacks or breaches involve a social engineering vector, I mean, we really need to, as like a culture, start looking at this more. So it, it's, it's always been fascinating to me. I mean, having experience with telemarketing and tech support, I'm, I'm comfortable on the phone. I'm comfortable dealing with people. Um, I've done a lot of public speaking. So th that's just like th things that, uh, that, other social engineering people are into like when you look at the work of Chris and Robin Drake and they kind of like start bordering this uh, self-improvement or professional development and leadership realm. And, you know, I've kind of had my fingers in those pools before too. And I don't know, it all, it all kind of came together like in a really weird uh, aggregate skill sets. And, you know, I'd been in tech for a long time and it's only been for the past five or six years that I've really been looking at security at all. And, and I realized, wow, you know, this skill set, like you said, that's always considered non-technical. Not only do I have what it takes to do that, and uh, it's really powerful. Well, and, uh, and uh, probably one of the biggest things that I've noticed, just, just, just even looking at what um, you know, what uh, several of the social engineers that are on my Twitter feed uh, end up saying, uh, um, a majority, if not all of them, uh, you know, they they, they uh, are always coming to the recognition, the realization that, hey, you know what, my game is good here, but mm -hmm. I but. but I'm gonna circle around and learn that you know if I if I don't already know the tech I'm gonna circle around and learn the tech because mm -hmm. that's just going to uh, make my game that much better. Absolutely. Um. um okay. So. Uh, so uh, you know. Uh, you know if you know some. Okay. I'm <laughs> stuttering whenever my brain <laughs> is going a million miles faster than my mouth. Uh, always done that it's, it's an um, honor to have a uh, overstimulated thinker <laughs> um so, so the thought process i was going on that i was going to ask about um 
you know, obviously there's, uh, you know, I, I know it gets more detailed, but there's kind of three main uh, sections really in social engineering. You've got, uh, you know, you've got a lot of the technical aspect of, mm. you know, pl applying, you know, finding information through OSINT and applying that information. You've got the uh, the, the uh, offsite, uh, the offsite stuff where you're doing your fishing and your fishing. Mm -hmm. um, but th I think the one that always gets the most glamour is uh, is the people that do the physical pen tests. Right. Um, is is that a is that a part that you've uh, done that you participated in before? I I have done a physical pen test before. Uh, a partner and I. It's really strange. Like, just the just to rewind a bit. I, I've worked in tech a long time. Um, my transition to becoming who I am right at now at this moment. Like right now, I teach at a community college and. Uh, before that, I was working on starting my own security consultancy, and I, my partner and I were hired by a local company here to do a penetration test. They wanted like the full network stuff, the OSINT, do do everything, and we also did a physical test, and it was really fun. Um, we went there and we used our lock picks and we picked through the outer doors, and I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself a super highly skilled when it comes to physical security, but like good enough, you know, like, and if, so if I can pop your lock in less than 30 seconds, it's a pretty poor uh, security. So, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we, we had a pretext. We were dressed like it guys. We had the clipboards. We made the ID badges. We were ready for anybody who was going to be there after hours. And we went about 7 PM. Uh, nobody was there. Uh, the office was actually connected to another big office that we expected there to be some type of patrol. I don't want to be too specific on what buildings they were. Oh, um, yeah, we went inside. They had surveillance cameras, but they had, I, apparently I found out later on that they had turned off alerts on them because people it's, it's like a, a, sh a shared workspace. So they have people that come all hours of the night. Uh, yeah, we, it was just too easy. And uh, they had another door that went into another shared space that had a combination lock on it. And I think they used like one, two, three, four, five or something on it. And nice. just my experience doing that test was that all the things that you learn about and the things that you just can't expect anyone would actually possibly do in the real world. Like they all do. Like we found three computers that were unlocked. One of them was the CEOs and it was sitting right on their outlook. I mean, at that point we just like, we left flyers up that we had been there and we just put in our report. We could have done everything. We, we did a phishing test on them and one of the, But they looked at it on their phone first on the mobile network, and then they went home and looked at it on their phone again, but with their Wi-Fi. And then you could see that they used their iPad to look at it a third time. And it was, it was like the most lame phishing email too. Like the Amazon, your shipment was uh, missed. Please click here to update your shipping preferences. And and this lady really cared about her Amazon shipments. So <laughs> it was really fun. Um, yeah, and, and you're right. They do, it is very glamorized. But you know, like, 
I think having experience doing a pen test really put a lot of things in perspective for me. Like when I first got into security, I was just like almost all my students who are like, I'm into Kali Linux now. I want to get my OSCP. Like I want to be a pen tester. I want to be a red, I want to be a red teamer. And I was kind of like, I was, I was like that. And once I finally got to experience what it's like, and then you hear stories about people who are doing physical penetration tests who get arrested and you know even mm-hmm. with the get out of jail did you hear that podcast recently with those guys the even with the guys Iowa, yeah terrifying so i think it's a very glamorous thing but i think what would be the most fun is to teach that stuff then you get to do all the fun stuff but not have any of the legal responsibility <laughs> or the possible physical harm so yeah i don't know if uh I think a lot of people think it's very romantic and exciting and sexy to be a pen tester, but I think the reality is super uh, different than that. It's, it's very intense, especially like if you're on the network side, like you're doing like 24 hour sprints, like mm-hmm. collecting OSINT, doing all your scans. It's it's not fun. It's I don't think it's fun. I don't have it in me. Well, it's it's like even um, whenever I originally talked to a Tinker, mm-hmm. um, I, I I was asking Tinker about his experiences with with physical pen testing, um, you know. And anybody that reads his stories or whenever he posts on Twitter, it's just like you know you're on the edge of your seat. Yeah, it's just what's going to happen next. And it's it's the stuff that the that the spy movies are made of. Yeah. Um, but but whenever I asked him about it, he said, you know, whenever I'm in the moment. I, I, I'm focused and I'm there, but the moment I am done, it's it just it takes me a while to recover because it was so much stress. It's crazy. So yeah, um, yeah, and it, it, and it's always interesting too for me to talk to uh, you know different people that have done stuff like that. Um, you know, whether you're talking about the physical pen test or the mm-hmm. fishing, fishing, and everything else, because me personally. Um, as much as I like my te- all, all the tech stuff that I do, yeah, the, the the bread and butter of where I'm good at is compliance, governance, <laughs> risk <sure>. analysis. <laughs> you, and you we know, need so, people like you so bad. Oh yeah, yeah you know it, it's it, um, you know in the, the the current place I, I'm working, um, we were we were um, uh, acquired by another company, mm-hmm. and. You know they they're they're still wanting to uh, you know ma- maintain uh, the the compliance that my workplace has had, but they 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 just have these insane reactions whenever I say okay here's what it means here here's what we have to do here mm-hmm. here's the kind of money that we have to spend to make sure everything is up to snuff for sure um, you know because because even uh, even just you know one particular. Uh, one particular instance is, um, you know, we we've maintained uh, multiple uh, database servers in our okay. network, right, right. and uh, you know anybody that anybody that looks into uh, compliance regs will know that uh, it, that there's a you know you know between a separation of duties for uh, different servers, um, you know, and it's all about what kind of security level uh, each sure. bit of data has to have. And so the first time uh, after after we got acquired that I ended up um, dealing, dealing with my new boss uh, and, it was, <laughs> and it was having to deal with databases, th- th- this company has only had one database server. 
Right. And right. so it's just it's been mind blowing to him um, how many how many database servers we've been running in the local network. Um, so you know it, it's it, it's a chore whenever whenever people don't truly understand. Um, but man, I I love it. I I, I love it. Uh, you know, but I, I'm I'm a weirdo. I like writing policies. I uh, I I like doing risk analysis because I, I'm I'm one of those people. I can walk around and I can probably spot a, at least twenty percent more uh, things than most people would. Yeah. Um, and it's just that that's that, that's fun to me. That's 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 where my brain lives. <laughs> so let me let me ask you a question because like here's my presumption like based on the fact that companies are now starting to buy ransomware and cybersecurity insurance because mm-hmm. at this point we all know breaches are inevitable. Um, there's no like there's no scenario where you're going to be 100% safe 100% of the time. So m- my presumption logically is that insurance companies who are going to be expected to pay out on these policies are going to start doing investigations and holding companies accountable for not or for failing to adhere to compliance because i know i've worked for companies where i mean compliance like you just you just check the boxes off and send it off like you don't Mm -hmm. actually go do that stuff and it's just (laughs) like Okay, well, I I feel like now that companies are buying and using ransomware insurance, that's going to start changing in the industry, I would hope. Or maybe maybe it's just a hope of mine, but that's my presumption is that once insurance companies start, they're not just going to give money away, not without doing investigations. And if companies are found that they didn't follow the proper protocols and the proper compliance, that's going to, I think that's right there is going to change the industry, maybe. Quickly. Well, I, 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 I think it's going to take I think it's going to take the hammer dropping three, four, five, six different times on big cases for yeah. for for the industry in general to start being like, oh, wait a minute, maybe we need to rethink our approach. Mm-hmm. But, but but hey, in the in the meantime, though, all that means <laughs> is that extra employment opportunities for somebody like me because I can take I can take mm-hmm. all of my skill set and I can go be an investigator for insurance companies. Dude, yeah, you're gonna do very well in the next few years, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 sure. I would not be surprised. Would not be surprised at all. Um, okay, so uh, so jumping into another topic, uh, question number three, officially. Um, one of the things that I that I did notice whenever uh, you know whenever we uh, first scheduled to uh, mm-hmm. do this was that yeah that you that you are a uh, you are a, a teacher I mean is that is that something that that's uh, that that's mainly your full time pursuit right now Yeah, um, it's so crazy to like like I feel like in a few I feel like in five years I'll be able to write a book about my like character arc from being this guy who worked in the industry for 20 years doing tech support and managed services providers and you know the last couple of years i've been a freelancer just doing like that you know the freelance gigs and Mm -hmm. you know that was great and you know i started working on uh trying to develop my like security company whatever that means um and you know i'd all I all I really did, honestly, thinker, is like I started getting involved in the community. Like I started hanging out at the hacker meetup, and like I volunteered to speak at little cons. And then once I got some experience, like I started getting invited to speak at bigger stuff. And like I got to speak 
for like the security plus class here and then when i got to go speak at defcon at the se village like that was just like the mm. most insane thing that's ever happened to me like you walk out onto the stage and there's like 900 people in this room and i'm just this guy you know who was just <laughs> just so happened to grow up in the right circumstances and be interested in the right things that happen to be super relevant right now and just doing all that stuff and getting to know the right people and like taking a look at social engineering and the things that we learn and really like taking it to the next level, like learning how to like fish some information out of somebody or get someone to click a phishing email. That's just like the tip of the iceberg when it comes to like the power that you have, like with social, like if you can learn to be social and then you take like what, I'm always going back to Robin Drake, but the code of trust, like that book, it's just like mind blowing. And you learned that like these people are, you know, they're amazing social engineers, not because they're using tricks or cons or techniques. They're just amazing people that, you know, they start to cultivate those different qualities within themselves. And when I started trying that and doing that myself, uh, it changed my life overnight it seemed like and yeah I'm, I'm only teaching one class this is my first semester but I mean I'm all I have is an associate's degree and I'm suddenly a community college teacher which I never thought was possible but you know because I'm teaching cybersecurity stuff they, they love it and like the students think it's really cool that I've spoken at DEFCON and you know I can talk about the pen tests that I did with my partner and I don't know. It's like, it's crazy to imagine that. Um, yeah, I, I love it though. I feel really natural doing it. And, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of the other um, uh, faculty, they expect you to like really have a hard time your first semester. But man, after speaking at the SE Village, like there's no way 13 students are going to make me feel nervous. And, I, and I'm really lucky because I get to teach about cybersecurity. And I, as you can tell, I can just I can talk on and on about this stuff and it's great to have that captive audience because my you know my wife doesn't want to hear about it anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I think probably uh, I, I think probably one of the biggest qualities in the infosec community that lends toward you know you know like you're doing with, te with teaching it yeah. is the, the fact that um, that almost every single person that you run into, they they want to help. Mm -hmm. They 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 want the next person to know what's going on. They want the next person to be able to do the things that they're doing and and even surpass them in the long run. You know Definitely. that that's, that that seems to be a community goal. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, shoot, I. I, I really have never seen, uh, never seen uh, you know any community or group coalesce like that in, in that type of manner ever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it just it, it it just seems teaching would be a natural thing. <laughs> teaching is is super fun, um, and I know a lot of co community colleges need people to teach like security plus classes. So if if you, you know if you're somebody who's interested in that and you have a lot of experience in the field like that's all that you need so if you're interested i, I recommend you try because there are a lot of colleges that are looking for people like us that can teach and like um yeah the community gave me everything like yeah i went to tech school and got my associate's degree but like everything i've learned from there and everything that i've gotten from infosec has all been open source it's all been community driven and like 
if you're authentic and like you're like these people, they can smell bullshit from a mile away. So like, you know, these are, you can't social engineer the social engineers. Like you have to be authentic, but if you're willing to like go all in and give back to the community, like they will love you and they will support you. And like, we help each other rise, you know, we rise together, whatever the cliche is. Right. But it's totally true. Like it's amazing. Absolutely. Um, Okay. Um, diving away into some random stuff. Do it. Um, you know, I, one of, one of my favorite things to ask people is often about food. And I, and, and <laughs> I, I know you were probably going to find a way to get me there anyway, because you were, you were talking about wanting to get barbecue tips, but, um, I, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask first. So, 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 California is the yeah. is the food is the general way that food is in California truly that different? I, I haven't ever been in California long enough to make a good assessment myself. Okay, I can I think I can speak to this as a fat guy who loves food who has been to Texas and also California. Um, yeah, I think when you're talking about Mexican food. There's definitely like a SoCal Baja Mexican food versus like a Tex-Mex sort of Mexican food. Like, I feel like that's very different. And I know that there are people who fall on both sides of that, but I grew up in Southern California. So yeah, when I have Mexican food in Texas, it's not the same for me. I don't know. I'm maybe, there, there could be different. I'm sure I'm missing out on something, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess like as far as like food goes between Texas and California, that's about as far as my expertise goes is the Mexican food. Um, well, since you're in SoCal, um, I, I, actually, I, I'm in NorCal now, but I used uh, to, I grew up in SoCal. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. if it, there, there is a place that, uh, that originates out of Texas, but if you ever find yourself in the Phoenix area, they have, uh, they have a restaurant there. Um, but if if you ever find yourself in, because I figure your Phoenix is closer. If you ever find yourself in Phoenix, yeah. drop, drop me a line and I'll will tell you what it is, where it is, where to go find okay. it. And um, it, it's it, it's definitely one of the places that um that that uh is a little more up on the quality, but it, it's still it, it's still by far a lot closer to Tex-Mex uh, okay. than than um, anything that anything that you could find outside of Texas. Yeah. Um, so, so I will, a, I will a, hit a, you a up. Trip. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, uh, okay. So, so, uh, you know, given that there is a little bit of a difference going on there, um, mm-hmm. what's, what's, where, where do you lean? What type, what, what type of food do you lean to more than anything else? I don't, you know, like, I, I definitely love to eat um, my favorite foods. I'll, I'll just, I'll go there. I, my favorite foods are, I'm going to give you several categories here. Um, sushi is going to be top is going to be one of the tops. Um, I'm really into Thai food. Um, let's see. Uh, Mexican food is my wife is Hispanic and grew up also in Southern California. So we, we do a lot of Mexican food. Um, and I'm Italian and I love Italian food. And uh, on the like caveat that I get to 
cook it myself because I'm like a very severe critic of like restaurants. Like my first job ever in my life when I was 17, I worked in an Italian restaurant and I started as a dishwasher and I worked my way up to like prep cook. And I, I did the salads and the pizzas. And I thought that, I don't know. And it could be that if I went back in time, I might think that they suck now, but I grew up there and like, now I compare every Italian food that I eat to that. So there are very few restaurants I really want to go to. It's always so disappointing, but I love to cook it myself. So I try not to eat too many carbs these days. But uh, yeah, I think if I had to pick one, I'm going to go Italian food. What about you? Okay, okay. Um, to, to, to be honest, I I really am never picky about the type of food I eat. Um, you know, I, 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 I have the, uh, I have the staples in the routine you know, food, uh, that is always at home whenever I get stuff, uh, from the grocery store. But, um, you know, uh, you know, anytime I get asked, Hey, where do you want to go eat? Man, that's a hard question because I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I never really am leaning toward one thing in particular. Um, and uh, but but even whenever I am, you know, one day it's hey, let's go to a Mexican food restaurant. Next day it could be it could be Thai food. Man, there's there's a place about an hour from where I am, hour hour and a half from where I am, um, that uh, that uh, they have this. Um, oh, I forget the exact name. That call it offhand, but uh, it, it's it, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a oh man, and I even I even forget what's in the what's all in it besides the chicken right now. Um, but it's, it, it's just been a while since I've had it. But uh, you know, I, I I can I I can taste the taste right now just talking about it. Um, yeah. You know, nice nice and spicy. A good. I was gonna say you have to be careful with Thai spice because it can become like insane really fast. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, th- th- this this one in particular, um, you know, this this restaurant has marked as one of their spicy dishes. But it's it for me, it's it's just right. It's it's really nice. good. Um, you know the you know the chicken sliced thinner. It's fried, uh, bread and fried, then sliced into strips and uh, and, and uh, tossed up in with everything else. It's just it, it's it's good. And I'm, it, you know, while it's not uh, always feasible to go an hour and a half for a dish of food, man, I'm always thankful whenever I get it. Though. <laughs> um, that sounds you know, great. It, but but yeah, it's just I, I mean it, it it could be anything any given day. Uh, you know, there was a uh, <laughs> no was, no, but by the time people hear this conversation they will have heard this story a few times now <laughs> uh, but, but uh there's there's a uh there's a uh, restaurant in uh a town in kansas that is a sushi place and okay. you know they they, they uh, while i'm not much of a fish person it's you know they, they definitely do get their fish in there pretty fresh and everything yeah. Um, but they also that they also cater to people that uh, don't like fish too much, because one of their roles is called the jackass roll. I've heard of this before. I think. It, yeah, I mean, it, and it's it's basically a plate, a Carolina barbecue plate wrapped up in rice, and it because it, it's it's got the pulled pork. It's uh, I. I forget what base the sauce was, but it even had French fries and everything else in there. It's just all wrapped up and then sliced up like any other sushi roll. And that's man, genius. It was delicious. It was Hold delicious. On. That sounds amazing. So, um, so, so yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's just whatever the mood hits me at any given point. 
For sure. Um, now, t- 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 talking about barbecue. Yeah. I can't give you too many. T- <laughs> I don't know anything about barbecuing. I'm like a I'm like a 40 year old man child who who like I really want to be in, into like cooking meats on the on the grill and like be very mat butch and like I don't know. I I feel like I I can cook food on the grill, but I, it's never as good as like you know you get at a barbecue place. So well, I don't know they- anything about it. The, the 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 one thing I could probably tell you from it from uh yeah people I know that have done that is get yourself a smoker. Uh, okay. it, it's, and uh it's and uh, I forget the brand name offhand, but there's one in particular. It's one of the higher end brands. Okay. And uh I mean you you could connect that sucker to your Wi-Fi and you can track the temperature <laughs> of the meat and everything else. Um, and uh you know but that that's at least for Texas. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know for sure about all the cooking methods anyplace else, but at least for Texas. No, my it, neighbor has a smoker, so I think it's, it's a low thing and here. Slow. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it, it's a low and slow thing. Um, I I know that uh, you know Texas is um, it, 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 Texas is as much about the the sauce as they are the dry rub. Really? Okay. Um, you know, so uh, it, you, know, uh, you got to have a good dry rub before you put it put it on the smoke. Um, but, uh, but, you know, me, me, me personally, um, I've, I've always been a fan more of, uh, Memphis style and, uh, and, uh, as I apparently learned with, uh, with Whitney the other day, mm-hmm. there's not one single Carolina style. So the, the, yeah. the Carolina style I, I'm a fan of is more, uh, is more Eastern North Carolina and apparently in South Carolina. Yeah, um, I so, remember you guys talking about the mustard base and all the different ways mm-hmm. that they do it. That was fascinating. I had no idea that there was like such a broad world of barbecue sauces out there. But today, well, I, learned. I, I and and I tell you too, I'm uh, one of those people that uh, I I am a sucker for gimmicks. I will I will buy <laughs> almost any any gimmick I see on the shelves of the grocery store at least once. And um, one day I walked in to the store and I went down the aisle that had all the sauces on it. And I looked down and there was a sampler, uh, this Heinz barbecue sampler pack. Okay. And they had, they had different types of sauces in there. It's sauces that I, they hadn't put on the shelves before. And there's one, it's, it's, uh, it's marketed as a Carolina mustard uh, barbecue sauce. <laughs> um, but it's, it's got the mustard base. It's, uh, you know, definitely you've got the kick of the vinegar and it has just a little bit of sweetness to it. And I'm like, wow, that stuff is good. I, you know, whenever I want to dip something into something, I use that sauce, general purpose. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. You know, thinking about you buying all these kitchen gadgets and trying all these different sauces. I mean, I mean, you're just like sitting on a, like a YouTube channel that's just waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm I, I'm also uh, I'm also one of those people that uh, anytime that um, Oreos has a new flavor, I got to try oh. the new flavor at least once. You know, yeah, so, I uh, love those. All sorts of stuff like that. You know, if it, if it even looks halfway remotely interesting, I will get it once, and if I like it, great. If I don't, lesson learned. <laughs> Fair enough. That's um, great. Um. Okay. So. We've uh, we've done a good number on food there. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well. Uh, well, I 
you know, I, 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 I was about to make a comment, then I was like, no, that would sound like an ignorant comment. So, preferencing, prefacing the fact that the comment might sound like an ignorant comment, um, I don't know anybody in California that doesn't like sports. Is that an ignorant um, comment? No, I mean, like, well, I guess, I prob it probably is, but I mean, like, I don't know, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm kind of like, I'm indifferent with sports, like, if I'm with friends and there's like a sporting game on, I just, I'll figure out who everyone else is rooting for, and like, I'm just like more than happy to like, be like a participant of the ex shared experience, and I do like going to live sporting events like you know one of the one of the many different classes i took while i explored community college myself before i became who i am now i did take some kinesiology classes just because i was interested in like strength and conditioning for a while and um yeah so like watching different like mechanics and understanding like what goes on when it comes to sport like i i, I can appreciate i can like nerd out on it but i wouldn't say like i'm a fan or like um yeah, I, I don't have any, like, memorabilia or... Yeah, I'm not, like, you're... T I don't care. I don't know what... I don't even know what sport is, like, in season right now. It's <laughs> it's the beginning of the year, so maybe baseball? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, I'm not, not really, like, a sports... Are you, like... A, you guys have talked about sports on this show a few times, I remember, I think. Yeah, um, I, I'm one of those... Uh, I'm one of those people that I can appreciate a sport for what it is. Sure. Um, I... I, uh, you know, like like, uh, like a lot of people my age, I grew up on football, of course. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, I, uh, and I even played football in high school, and, and like, I just don't really care. Like, it was fun to play, but I just don't, I don't well, know. Well, I, 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 I used to watch it semi-regularly, but then it, it got tiresome for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, no matter what sport we're talking about, I'm one of those people that... I am always I'm always looking for news headlines whenever I'm online. So uh -huh. uh, you know, so I'll, I'll I'll know the major stuff that's going on in most of the mm -hmm. sports. I'll I'll know enough that I can sound halfway intelligent if I'm talking to somebody that brings something up about a sport. Um, but uh, you know, at this point though, like with football, about uh, you know about the only football that I'll even try to watch on TV at times is uh, whenever uh, Texas a and is playing. I see. Um, but, uh, you know, if I go to a football game, you know, may, maybe if I go to an A&M game at Kyle Field, otherwise, high school football is about it, and I don't even do that regularly. For um, sure. But, uh, or even like, even like uh, March Madness, you know, the, the NCAA tournament, yeah. um, you know, I... I might catch five minutes of a game here, five minutes of a mm -hmm. game there, but you know I'll participate in brackets just based off what I you know what I have read you know because I don't watch I don't watch the games I don't watch yeah. baseball I don't watch basketball I don't watch hockey I don't watch football um, you know I I've uh, I, I've garnered a uh, love of rugby over the years. But uh, even even uh, you know watching rugby will go by the wayside if there's other things going on, so mm -hmm. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's it's a interesting world. It's one of those uh, 
one of those worlds that uh, you kind of halfway expect to have to know about yeah. um, to, to interface with a majority of people you run into on any given day. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, that may be like a Texas Tech thing. Um, in California, most of my peers, they call it sports ball, and they're not interested in it at all. Very, very... None of the people that I hang out with really are into sports out here. So maybe I'm, I know that there is, especially here in Northern California, I see like um, giant stuff all the time and yeah. 49ers. Mm -hmm. Like they're like really into it, but uh, nah, not me. Well, it's, in, in Texas, <laughs> um, anybody, if, if you're in Texas, it, you're like you've moved to Texas and you're living here and you run mm -hmm. into anybody that um, is born and bred or or might as well have been, they'll, t they'll say, hey, how about them Cowboys? And you give them a look like, what the heck? And they're like, you're not a Cowboys fan? Oh, that's sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, I would they, just they, scream yeehaw at them. Well, the, 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 only, <laughs> the, the, the only area of the state that that is different is when you're around Houston in the immediate area, and that's because of the Texans. Yeah. Um, but but else every other place in the state, it's just cowboys. like yep, cowboys, 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 and even um, I spent some time in Arizona, and despite them having the Cardinals out there, it's amazing how many people with cowboy stars on their vehicles you would see. That's nuts. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know we watched uh, football on Christmas, or was it Thanksgiving when the Cowboys play? Mm -hmm. I can't remember which holiday it is, but when my dad was alive, we would always watch football on, I think, Thanksgiving. And that was always, a, always we'd always watch the Cowboys. And, you know, like, I was actually born in Fort Worth, Texas, but I, I never really lived there. Like, my, okay. like, back in, like, the 70s, like, my dad was, like, a biker, and my mom was a hippie, and they met in Fort Worth. And uh, yeah, my, I have like a really weird family history. Like my dad was like in a biker gang in Fort Worth, Texas, like in the seventies. <laughs> and like they had me and then moved to California. So like, I, I've kind of always wanted to go check out Texas and see what it's like out there. I think it would be kind of cool. Well, is unless, unless you're in the middle of nowhere, California, mm -hmm. um, I, I would say coming to Texas, just make it a point to go to Austin, Dallas, yeah. Houston, San Antonio, um, any place, any place else. Well, maybe Waco. Um, if you're if you're a fan of Fixer Upper and Chip and Joanna Gaines, um, <laughs> but uh, but but out, outside of that, I mean, really, there is a lot of there's a lot of spread out smaller towns. Um, you know, I mean, El Paso is fairly large, but it's also like 500 miles away from Dallas. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a uh, you know there's a couple of uh, decent smaller sized cities up in the Panhandle, but yeah, for the most part, if you're not in Dallas, Austin, Waco, yeah. Houston, uh, San Antonio, then you're in the middle of nowhere. You know, I was curious about something else that you mentioned earlier. You said you had spent some time in Arizona. Mm -hmm. I also I lived in Phoenix for two years uh, back in the early 2000s and. That's actually where I worked for Earthlink, and they used to be a Mindspring call center, and they were acquired by Earthlink in like 2000. So yeah, I, I actually really liked living in Phoenix. I thought it was a great town, especially when I lived there. I, I've been there. I've been there recently, and uh, and it has changed so much. But uh, a lot of jobs out there. Yeah, um, you know, I I, uh, I was working uh, for an organization. Um, uh, 
that was uh, on uh, one of the tribal reservations. Oh wow! Um, so uh, so I I lived off uh, often outside of the Phoenix area, but um, you know. It, <laughs> Pretty much, just about everything in Arizona is is fairly clo- close enough to each other that yeah. hey, you know, I, you know, I, I'm going to go into Phoenix. Great, let's go into Phoenix. Yep. <laughs> um, it's right there. You know, I, shoot, even um, it wasn't the 2016 presidential race; it was the 2012 presidential race. Okay, um, okay. Those, the uh, one of the stations um, was uh, was uh, looking for undecided voters. To mm-hmm. uh, to uh, talk to uh, about uh, you know the, to talk to him after each of the debates, okay. and um, and I was like, ooh, that sounds like fun, and they ended up actually only taking two, and somehow I ended up being one of the two. That's awesome. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, so whenever every debate ha- uh, happened that that evening, you know, I take I take off from work about a half hour early. <laughs> Give me enough time to get to downtown Phoenix, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's yeah. I I really do I, I really do like Arizona, and uh, you know, people that know me know I don't like the heat, but you know, <laughs> there, there, there's there's truth to saying it's a dry heat. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I've I've actually I've lived all over the country, as you could probably surmise, but at this point, and I've lived in the deep south, like Alabama South, and yeah, and I've I've lived in D.C. too, where it's like super humid. But like, you take a shower, you go outside, and you already feel gross again. Like, yeah, Phoenix is hot, but it's not humid. And like, people who don't know the difference, they, they may think that that's like a flippant thing to say. But like, no, it's like a significant thing to say. If you've experienced that deep south humidity, it's gross. Well, I, I, I told somebody uh, it, it, somebody at one point, um, whenever I left Arizona, um, I was like, man, I'm not looking forward to this. To be honest, <laughs> I'd rather bake than broil. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, no, I, I actually uh, was in Georgia for a little bit as well, and yeah, and uh, what same, you're talking so about, you know. there's there is truth to that. I I would take showers twice a day religiously just because it had to happen. Yep, <laughs> uh, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's 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 a whole other world down there. People don't know. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, okay, jumping on to uh, question number six. Are you uh, are you more of a book person or a TV movie person? Um, I'm gonna have to go book person. Uh, okay. I, I always was a reader, um, especially growing up. Uh, my favorite author back in the day was Michael Crichton. Like I've read almost everything by him, um, and then like all the standard like. I got really into dystopian books for a while, uh, fantasy, sci-fi. Yeah, um, I listen to a lot of audiobooks and podcasts, so I would consider myself probably more of a book person, but I do have a lot of TV shows that I love, so it just depends. Well, it's, it, you're talking about uh, you know, sci-fi and dystopian and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you ever uh, read the works of uh, Arthur C. Clarke? Uh, no, I don't think I've, I, I can't really recall right now. No, I, I know who you're talking about, but I haven't, I haven't read anything. Yeah. They, well, uh, if, if you get a chance to find, find some of his stuff, um, early on, I, I, I was either a teenager or maybe in my early twenties, um, whenever I was first introduced to, to Clark 
And um, I, he, well, in fact, it, I think he's a. I think he's the. He also wrote two thousand one: A Space Odyssey. I think so. And I've read some Asimov, yeah. which is kind of close to yeah. to Arthur C. Clarke. So yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the 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 particular series I ended up reading though um, was his uh, Rama series. Uh, okay. And uh, man, those it's just. It's it's just a it is an interesting look at uh, at a you know a, a, a encounter with uh, you know with a object in space that nobody really knew anything about uh-huh. and ends up turning into this long term journey and then they actually end up end up running into an alien species on the other side and it's wow. just it, 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 it's it's like a, I think it's four different books. To, to complete the entire story, but it was it was such an intriguing story. Whenever whenever I first read it, I it, I finished one. I was like, okay, I need the next. Okay, I need the next. I, I'll look it up. You said it's called the Brahma series. Yeah, um, I, I forget I forget the exact titles of all of them offhand, but um, it, but uh, one of them may, is either the first or the second book is called Rendezvous with Rama. Okay. That sounds great. I'm always looking for new audiobooks, and I, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I do a lot of uh, audiobooks, so that sounds yeah. awesome. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, j- jumping into question number seven, let's get, <laughs> l- l- let's let's do uh, some what ifs here. Oh, I like um, these. One of the uh, what ifs. So let let's say that. Uh, out of the blue, it's you're told, "Hey, you get to be adopted by a celebrity Hollywood couple, but you get to choose who who's mom, and you get to choose who is dad or mom, or yeah, okay, <laughs> a combination a combination of two parents, celebrity Hollywood parents." I think I would want uh, Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson as my dad because. He's amazing. Um, Mom, I don't know. Mm, that's that's a really good question. I think maybe, jeez, oh, Hollywood. So it could be anyone I want. Yeah, anybody you want. Okay. Um, jeez, I'm really blanking right now. Uh, I don't know. Let, let me let me think about that for a second. Um, let's see here. I think if I had to pick anyone to be uh, my Hollywood mom, jeez, I'm really dropping the ball here, thinker. I was really on the I was really on top of the Ron Swanson thing, and then that I couldn't think of any other woman other than Leslie Nope at that point. So it's like been completely my brain's been completely hijacked by Leslie Nope. So I'm just gonna say it's a full Parks and Rec family. There you go. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's let's uh, try another uh, another what if question right here. Okay. Um, it's the dinner party question. Um, So you're throwing a dinner party and there's four of you total. So you're inviting three people to come to dinner with you. Um, So the three people that you're inviting, one is, uh, one is uh, somebody that you know from Twitter. Okay. One is a current celebrity and the other 
is a uh, well-known historical figure. Okay. So I think the person that I know from Twitter that I'd want to have dinner with would probably be Alif Dennis. Um, we're kind of we're kind of like Twitter friends. Um, I think she'd be really fascinating to talk to you because I'm I was the first person thinker to apply for the SECTF this year, and I'm just like chomping at the bit to compete in that. So like she's got a lot of great information and she's amazing as a person. So that's my Twitter pick. Um, you said a celebrity, like a Hollywood celebrity or any type of, what was the second one? I can't remember. The third one was a historical figure, right? Yeah. Yeah. The second one was, was it was any current celebrity. Doesn't have to necessarily be Hollywood. It could be, it could be celebrity for any reason. Okay. Um, Okay, just because this popped into my head right now, uh, I think I would want to have dinner with Weird Al Yankovic just because as a kid, he was one of my favorites. And I just think he would be amazingly interesting to hang out with. Um, So we'll do Weird Al Yankovic. And then a historical figure. I think I would... I'm going to reference books again. And I'm going to say... Ooh... Mm. No, I, I completely lost my train of thought there. Historical figure. Now, I'm not really a history guy, so I'm going to have to stretch with this one. Oh, I've got it. Teddy Roosevelt, just because he seems like he was like Ron Swanson in real life, like just like the most classic American badass. So I think just to be in his presence for a little while would make me like more manly uh, by proxy. So I'm going to go Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, those were super random. No, no, that, that is random is fine. Uh, I, while I was, while I was taking in your answers, I also started uh, drifting there for a second. I was like, you know what? One of these days, somebody is, somebody is going to, ask that to me in reverse <laughs> who would it be who, who would I be choosing and you know what I, I, I'm i offering that one up to you I'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll tell you what my, uh, what my picks would be if I'm having that dinner party Let's, yeah, yeah that sounds great okay so, so uh, my twitter person it would absolutely be Tinker oh, yeah for sure T- Tinker is a hell of a character. Um, he can entertain anybody for days whenever he's whenever he's on. All right. Yeah. Um, my current celebrity would be Howard Stern. That would yeah, that's a good choice. That's a really uh, good choice. Howard Stern, <laughs> man, that 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 guy has had his has had his fingers in every in every angle of the current world and nobody will actually actively admit it that 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 man uh, you know he was the source of so many things that people uh, people like today but because somebody co-opted it after he Uh did it on his show um and then my historical figure um i have i have always been um I, I've I've always been uh, just mesmerized by the thought of you know what you know obviously I can't but what if uh, you know I ever had a chance to sit down with Nelson Mandela? Oh yeah, 
Um, and and uh, you know, it's it, especially you know, I've I, I've always been aware of Nelson Mandela my entire life, mm-hmm. but especially um, you know, whenever I ended up uh, watching um, the uh, movie Invictus. Yeah, and I, I originally watched it because of the rugby connection, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, you know this the telling of that of that particular story and the details behind it is just like wow, you know it, he he pretty much single handedly kept South Africa in one piece during that time. It's it's amazing to think the to to think the fortitude yet the humbleness that you would have to have to do that yeah i I can't imagine i can't just imagine the things that he would say and the things that you could learn just by spending time there that i just yeah now now whenever you put those three people together (laughs) that that could be interesting in and of itself so yeah, that, so, so that's my dinner party. Yeah, that that sounds like a lot of fun, and that's <clears throat> that's a really great question to ask because it really causes you to like stretch out. And you know, I've listened to your show a lot, so I feel like I was prepared for certain questions. But uh, I, I and I tried to be, I tried in my in earnest not to like look up any phobias because I didn't want to <laughs> cheat. But uh, yeah, these these are great. I, I love this. This is one of my favorite things about this show, and like. Not only were you interviewing people that I look up to and I wanted to be part of that cool club. So like, of course I wanted to be on your show. Um, you do like a tech, like infosec podcast where a majority of what we talk about is not technical at all. And it's, that's so cool. Like that's a great niche. And like, this is fun. I'm having a good time. All right. Well, I, I, I can tell you that I am not busting out the phobia question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, however, the last two questions are ones that you you would have heard a few times already. So okay. maybe maybe you're prepared for these. Um, qu- question number nine: What was your favorite band in high school? In high school, um, well, that's this that's my that's still my favorite band now, which is Led Zeppelin. Uh, okay. Like I said, my dad was a biker and my mom was a hippie, so. I guess I was conceived and raised on nothing but Led Zeppelin because I'm obsessed with it. I've seen Robert Plant in concert and yeah, to I like a lot of genres. Like I'm not like a classic rock guy, but that band it's just been so, it's great. And like as a nerd, like they talk about Lord of the Rings like in like four different songs. Like they're just to me they're one of the greatest bands. Like if anyone had the pick of destiny, it was Jimmy Page. Like that guy was just a god. <laughs> what about you? Like, what what kind of music is this thinker into? Well, if if you try to aim the whole high school route first, yeah. I, I I can tell you it would sound so freaking boring because I'm I'm one of those people that uh, I was shelter I was sort of semi sheltered through the whole time. Uh, you uh-huh. know, growing up, while I was in school. <laughs> And then, then my interest finally started to expand further afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. While I was still in school, it was I, I was listening to classical music and jazz. All okay. right, but um, 
by far the uh, the uh, genre that I keep on circling back around to um, is uh, is a bunch of bands that pro- I don't know I think they're maybe they're classified as progressive rock these days. Okay. Um, uh, the the, uh, the 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 not Nickelback type bands from the two thousands. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm. He, he, I, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm one of those people that I'm like, nope, not Nickelback, uh-uh, anybody but Nickelback. Um, but, but there uh, was it, cool music going on in the early 2000s that wasn't yeah. Nickelback, so. Well, uh, well, one one of the bands I have always gravitated towards is System of a Down. Dude, I love them so much. Yep. Um, and then, uh, and then I've uh, always been a fan of Disturbed from the moment I first heard. Um, Let's see. Uh, oh, uh, Godsmack, man! Yeah. For 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 that particular uh, subset of the music industry, Godsmack probably has some of the most musicality uh, out of uh, all those groups. It's you know, and uh, especially uh, you know, if you go back and you start listening to some of uh, Sully Erna's uh, solo mm-hmm. stuff that he's released in the last few in the last few years as well. Um, or what about Tool? <laughs> do you like Do you like Tool? Um, I've. It, I know people I, I, go either way with Tool. I'm just curious. So. I, I I've never really listened to Tool enough to be able to say yes or no. Okay. Um, okay. But uh, oh, and uh, you know, if if you like System of a Down, certainly mm-hmm. you listen listen to uh, uh, Serge's uh, solo material, haven't you? I I do like Serge's. Uh, I like that song <laughs> "Sky Is Over." Like it's so good. Yeah, it's I love that. Like uh, sounds like um, honky tonk piano that he's playing in there. It's just mm-hmm. so. That's uh, he's amazing for sure. Yep. Oh, they, and then even still in the whole system of a down thing, the one time they were on Saturday Night Live, did you did you happen to see that that uh, appearance that they made? No. Why did you get to go see that live? Well, no, I didn't get to be there, but I, but I was watching the show, and um, it was uh, it was right whenever right after they released uh. Uh, the first ha- the, the first uh, half of the release of Mesmerize Hypnotize. Okay. Okay. Because um, I, I I think I think the track that they uh, performed was uh, was Bring Your Own Bombs. Oh yeah, um, that song's awesome. But uh, but but obviously the NBC network censors listen to the song ahead of time, so oh. they know knew when to sit there and hit and hit the censor button to kill the audio. But but uh, Darren dropped another f-bomb in there that wasn't on the track <laughs> that made it to air <laughs> see now that you tell me the story it's it's i've heard i've heard that this happened and uh that's amazing yeah i'll have to look that up because yeah. i've not i've not watched it myself but i'd love to i'm you know like so they just bleeped out the f-bombs that's it that you know i was curious what they were yep. bleeping out in that song okay yeah the, yeah the, there was I, I forget exactly how many how many there are on on the track but it is especially when you take that performance and you go back and match it up with the track it's very obvious the sensors listened to it ahead of time <laughs> and they were ready for it and they got taken to school anyway <laughs> so but uh but no you even whenever you get off of all that music, man, if you were to look at my at my uh, Spotify playlist, 
there is not one single genre that owns a majority of the Me real too. estate on my playlist. I have got everything from Vanilla Ice and Nelly and Run DMC. Yeah. Um, I've got uh, I've got uh, Travis Trick, Garth Brooks. Um, I mean, all sorts of stuff. I've got I've even got uh, some uh, EDM on there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, if if you have any like of EDM at all, the one in particular, <laughs> uh, I don't know how I came across this cassette tape, but uh, it was uh, called "It Came from Outer Base 2, done by uh, done by somebody called Techmaster Peb. Techmaster and, Peb. And I wore that sucker out. This was in high school, and like I said, I don't remember how I got the cassette, <laughs> but. I ended up I ended up coming across it and man it's 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 not quite necessarily dance music so maybe EDM isn't necessarily accurate but uh, but as you can probably tell from the from the name of the album um, yeah. they, they they definitely were playing with a lot of the lower bass frequencies on on all the tracks in there. Have you explored uh, Infected Mushroom? That's, it's. I know it's. They're very like uh, close to like the nerd community, and a lot of mm-hmm. like hackers are into them. They're kind of like in that electronic genre. I, I recommend uh, checking out Infected Mushroom if you're. In. And they're kind of like, I don't know. They. I don't know how to. I'm not uh, a music expert, so I don't know how I could even properly define them. But uh, yeah, they're like in that like dubstep like electronic um very very cool stuff so if you're into if you're into that and you know i think like these days you meet so many people that it's almost like cliche to say you like everything but i, I think that's just a product of the internet like we all have access to everything so you're, you're I think not maybe, forced to buy one album you can get one song <laughs> Right, you can, and not just, and not just be listening to the music of the people that are around you. Like, you know, you're not just forced into any one thing. You can, I think these days, I mean, there are people who definitely are hardliners. When, especially in the area of California I live in, it's very like rural. So we get got some big trucks and some country music people here for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I don't know. I, I like some country. Like, I went through a Garth Brooks phase when I was in high school, so <laughs> didn't we all? <laughs> well, was, whenever I was a kid, the um, you know we had plenty of radio stations that could be picked up, but there was only one radio station actually in town, in the town that I lived in, and it was a country station. Mm-hmm. So the, this this was during the height of uh, of uh, Rope in the Wind, you know. Yeah. So uh, so I, I grew <laughs> up singing singing I'm shameless. Yeah. Except uh, if you were to talk to my parents, they said that I that I uh, would uh, screw it up sometimes. You know, I'm shaving. <laughs> well, uh, clearly not though. I mean, based on what I'm seeing here, I know the audience can't see it, but he's like a Wookiee people. Oh no. no, no. <laughs> hey, right. well, you know what? Like, uh, country music's great, and uh, I listen to Garth Brooks. And did you know that Garth Brooks had an alter ego? And he would dress up as like uh, alternative Chris, Chris Gaines. That just blows my mind to know that this happened. Like, well, it's, and whenever he was actually doing that act, he got booked on Saturday Night Live. Garth Brooks as host, Chris Gaines as musical guest. That's crazy. <laughs> I want. I I want to be like. I, at my in my life, at some point, I want to be on some next level shit like that. Like, 
that blows my mind that there are people that are like that. Life yep. goals. Yep. Just saying. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we have hit question number 10. Oof. And question number 10 is one I've actually been using on almost every single one of these podcasts. And mm. I'm kind of curious, what is both the best advice and the worst advice you have ever received? You know, I have, I do recognize, you know, I, I know that you use this question a lot and I've, every time you ask one of your guests, I think about that myself and there's, man, like, I think some of, some of the worst advice I've ever gotten was to like, just stay the course. Like, I'm like, I'm like the kind of guy and it comes with a little bit of like middle class male white privilege that like, if I work for a company that has a really toxic culture or if I'm not doing what I want to do, like I don't just stick around and deal with it or get pigeonholed into a role. Like I move on to something better. And like each time that I've done that, I've had so many people tell me not to do it. And like, it's, it has, I mean, it has been like a huge gamble sometimes to, take something that's a, you know, a sure thing and then take a chance on doing this other thing. But I mean, as terrifying as it's been, like it's paid off in the end. And like, mm -hmm. you know, not everything that I've tried has succeeded and I have failures in my life. And the one thing that I learned by listening to other people who are very successful, not that I consider myself in that category, but aspiring is that it's not just been like a series of successes for them. Also, like people fail, um, yeah, so the advice to just like not move on or not find something better and just stick with, you know, stay the course. And um, yeah, that's probably something where I got cut off because I just got done finishing the worst advice. I could, I thought of a best advice. I don't know if you just want to wrap this up or not at this point. Uh, so, well, let's, let's jump into best advice. I think one of the best advice I ever got was uh, from a man that I used to look to as a mentor when I was younger. And um, he told me never like turn your nose up to like nickel and dime. Like he, he said when he grew up, he used to be a criminal back in New York city. Like this is like in the old, old days. And this is, he was an old man when I met him and some of the other kids that were coming up in the, criminal world used to give him a hard time because he would be willing to do the different crimes i guess that maybe didn't weren't big scores but the way he looked at it was you know don't overlook the small things uh in pursuit of the big things because in, in the long run you're going to do so much better uh paying attention to those small things and looking at the details and not always looking for like the big big score right i don't know mm -hmm. it's, it's a strange thing to relay but uh yeah that always stuck with me and I, i've always thought about that never never turn your nose up at something because it seems small time because those a lot of times end up being the most important things yeah uh, absolutely i mean uh you know that that goes along with uh you know a lot of people that talk about uh you know it seems like um you know, as uh, as more people come into the workforce, they're looking for that that 
six-figure corner office job mm. within two to five years, and they don't think about the fact that, yeah. hey, you know, that six-figure corner office job took a career to get to. Exactly. Like, my students ask me all the time, like, oh, well, you could make so much more money working in the field, and especially, you know, I have security certifications, so, like, I'm very sought after as an employee right now. Why do I want to become a teacher? And it's like, well, like... Number one, I don't like working for big corporate, soul-sucking sort of like environments, and I've, I've I found myself being very unfulfilled in those situations. And you know, that's just like the nature of the of the beast, right? But like, I love being a teacher. Like, it's so much fun. Like, what's fun about infosec to me is like going to cons and meeting interesting people, and like doing research and like learning new things, and like getting to do talks and getting to do hacker meetups, like. That is, like, so much more fun and, like, yeah, I make less money now. But, you know, like, I just read an article that came out not too long ago and they did a poll on Twitter and they said that the average tenure for a CISO is, like, two years because of the burnout. It's like, yeah, I think being a teacher is the right choice in the long run. Like, I'm having more fun. I get to talk about security and I get to really, like, take my knowledge and transmit it to, like, the next generation. And, like, I feel like I have a pretty decent perspective and, like, I'm really into social engineering. I'm really into, like, those things that are big problems and I pass that on to them. And, yeah, I could make more money, but then maybe I'll want to kill myself in two years, you know? It's like, at least this way, I get to, like, have fun. I get to, like go to cons and do talks and like, I don't know, get to like coach my students through the national cyber league, which is a cyber competition that we do. And like get to do crypto challenges and CTFs. Like, yeah, that's like way more fun than being like a CISO who like after two years, like hates himself and never sees his family and just, no, I'm good. Like, uh, yeah, I don't go after like the money. That's just, well, it and, and on top of that, you know, CSOs is kind of it's kind of like um, uh, football coaches. You know, the f- yeah. the first thing that goes wrong, who do they blame? The person at the top. It doesn't matter totally. what went on. They they uh, that that person is they they they, they need to they, they need to put uh, on everybody sign that CSO. It's it's CSO slash scapegoat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and like those guys definitely like. They deserve like a share of the responsibility, like when something happens, because they are supposed to like dictate like what happens at the top, which gets trickled down to all, you know, but I also, part of me always feels for those guys that have to quit their job after a hack because it's like, how are you going to stop that? Like nobody can, like nobody can prevent any, prevent all hacks from happening. So it's like, yeah, the C, the C level people definitely deserve to take responsibility for stuff like that. But I don't know. Like, I think it's just, I think that's, I think when somebody gets like crucified after a hack, that's a big misunderstanding of like the real problem that we're dealing with for sure. Like Mm -hmm. part of me feels for those people. It's like, uh, you you don't deserve to get fired. Like maybe you could have done more, but you can't do everything. Who All right. knows? I don't All know. Right. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, this is, you know, it, it's, it sounds cliche because I say it to everybody every time, but man, this is, this has been a fun conversation. Uh, you know, it is. No, it? no two conversations have been the same, and I've I enjoyed all of them in their own right. So, uh, so definitely thank you for taking the time. Man. No, fun. I, I appreciate it. And just to like, 
to to reference a conversation I saw on Twitter earlier, um, just to settle the boxers versus briefs like debate. I know this is very controversial when it comes okay, to thinker, but as as a social engineer of the repute that is necessitates being interviewed by thinker, I feel like I'm uniquely qualified just by talking to him and using my super secret social engineering. He didn't even realize I was doing. I know he's. I know that the answer to this is a trick question. It's neither. He goes commando. You're welcome, <laughs> internet. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is how rumors spread. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Dude, th- dude, thanks for having me on. Like, this is a blast. I love your show. Like, I yeah, I want nothing but success for you. So, thank you for having me on. This has been great. I've had a blast. Yeah, me too. Thank you.